Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. You look like you've gone into shaman mode. What is this anyway? What is going on? That's a tabler. No, I mean, it's lovely, it's very good, but why? See, if it weren't for putting makeup on and dressing decently, we'd have to do a video of this, just so you had my experience. That was. Pop pickles. Pardon? Pop pickers. Hey, hey, that was okay by Talvin Singh, and that is one of my after after. Oh God! Yesterday, no, 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 no. and Prince and David Cassidy and Morton Harkett. Talvin Singh. Oh my god! And I remember getting the album, okay. And I remember dancing to it at a house disco in Holborn. And when the tablets finish and the beats come on, a whole room is heaving. Oh, don't you love that? And I actually hired Telvin Singh to do what? Not to go <laughs> out with me, although that was a possibility. I. Was this is how connected I used to be, everyone. I put on an exhibition of photographs at the Metropolitan Hotel in Hyde Park on Park Lane, hosted by Giorgio Armani, and I hired Talvin Singh to be on the decks, and he played that record. So I'm doing Banging House <laughs> with Giorgio Armani. Can we just do a little video to put up with with this when we tweet it? Banging because, house. Because uh, anyone that's listening to this and not actually seeing your actions is missing out. It got the dogs excited, didn't it? Well, Teddy was going for it, wasn't he? Teddy was joining in. But it was kind of like a revelation. You know how you have a revelation? And I was just suddenly excited and enlightened by Indian culture. And I thought... This is amazing. Tabla painting is amazing. And I went to see him play on the South Bank and I just thought it was just an absolute revelation because it was so colourful and warm and unlike anything I'd ever heard before. And because of Talvin Singh, I then married an Indian because he was sort of washed with Talvin Singh's music. And when we got married... We had a sitar player playing. Oh, beautiful. And he kept asking me for his money. And we <laughs> had Indian canapes. So it was all quite Indian. And I was attracted to my husband because, and I'll get to the peg shortly. 
And we all know what a peg is. Do yes, we not it's now? what you hang, your, you hang your story onto it. I fell in love with my husband and married him because, partly because he was Indian, because I found it so different to anything else I knew and I found it fascinating and interesting and I loved the food and the culture and I went to India with him many times. Yeah, we went yeah. to Lake Udapur and we got on a boat and we sailed across the boat and there was an elephant and we did yoga and, and there was... Him being Indian was part of who he was and who he is. Yeah. And I was fascinated by it. And as I say, I went to India and we went walking in the Himalayas and I wore marigolds and met so many amazing people. And to say that Susan Hussey, who the, was the Queen's Lady-in-Waiting, worked with her for many, many, many decades, you know, she's very, very old, in her 80s or 90s, and to say that her asking a black woman who came to a reception, where are you from, where are you really from, is racist, is complete nonsense. Because it's... What else do you say to someone at a cocktail party? You know, if I met someone with an Australian accent at a, at a cocktail party, I would first of all say, do you know Nigel? <laughs> Oh, God. Has can he you, can you spy on him for me? Has he, Harry's, yes, has he married again? Have you got a telescope? Secondly, I'd say, are you from Sydney? Are you from Melbourne? Did your family emigrate there? Why have you come to England? It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's interesting. And, you know, my husband never said to me, oh, Liz, you're from Essex. Should we go and look at Chelmsford Precinct? What about your local branch of Boots? Not it wouldn't have been interesting. The though, is it? it wouldn't have been interesting, but the Himalayas, the Lake of Dapur, where they shot Octopussy, the James Bond film, we were sort of reenacting Octopussy. That sounds very romantic. It's interesting, and it's part of what makes you who you are. And I'm sure Susan Hussey, who's, who's since resigned, and she's very apologetic, and I was quite shocked by the reaction of all the newspapers today in the Times and the Daily Mail. They're all saying this is terrible, it should never happen. William, she's his godmother, he said this is terrible, she's resigned. You know, I'm sure that Susan Hussey is sick of talking about her life, pheasants, I don't know, what else the posh people do? Tweed, scratchy tweed, asked about the queen, asked about the dogs. You meet someone at a party and they're different to you in either age or they've got an amazing career or they're really young or they're really beautiful and you see them and you say, my goodness, you're beautiful or my goodness... Are you from Africa? Where are you from? Are you South American? Are you Spanish? Or what? It's part of who you are. It's not something that you don't, you're ashamed to talk about. That is the same to me if I meet someone at a party. Are you interesting? Have you got any good antidotes? Are you kind? Yeah. I don't care about anything else. No, absolutely not. Now, everyone listening to this podcast knows... I'm a little in awe and a little in love with Megan. Just, just do you are Megan? You am are I not Meghan. a little bit in love with Megan? You are a bit. You you are a little bit. Yeah. Well, because I kind of think 
to succeed in Hollywood and to succeed and be an actress in a mini-series, get up at 3am every day, make up, learn your lines, you know you've got a short shelf life. It's quite hard to say that. You've got a short short shelf shelf life. (laughs) Good on you, girl. No, she's tenacious, isn't she? And she's worked hard. She, You know... Give her a chance. She was only in suits, you know. She's not. She's not like Sophia Loren or anything. No, I mean, no disrespect to her. She's done well, but it's just suits. I think she did pretty well. And the barbecue advert. Let's not forget the barbecue advert <gasps> in the shorts. <laughs> in the shorts. But just in time for this podcast. Da, da, da. This is like an announcement, isn't it? This is the trailer. For the Netflix series with Meghan and Harry, it's just landed and we're going to play it now. It's had 1.6 million views already. Oh my God. Why did you want to make this documentary? Look at Harry with the guitar. Isn't that handsome really? There's lots of cheesy, kissy, lovey-dovey The beagle. Pregnant tummy. Another beagle. She's in tears. She's got a French manicure. She's at the funeral of the Queen. I was there. I was in the queue. She's in tears. She's in tears. Newspapers. Flashbacks. When the stakes were this high, does it make more sense to hear our story from us? I cannot wait. No, it's Coming a binge shortly. watch, isn't it? It's a binge Coming watch. shortly. How many, how many episodes is it? Is it just one? I don't know, but I can't episodes? wait. No, I can't wait. Everyone's going to watch that, aren't they? If you haven't got Netflix, you're going to get Netflix. I wonder if there's going to be a shot of Megan chasing the beagle because he's got no recall. Well, if she's got recall from her beagle, I'm not going to be happy because every single bugger I talk to on Twitter or anywhere else... As the only good thing they've got is a long lead on a beagle. Beagles do not come back. There was a very unflattering photo there, wasn't there, at Westminster of Catherine Poor and Catherine. Meghan looking a bit wounded behind her. But there's a beautiful picture of Meghan in a hat at the Queen's funeral, so I queued, not everyone queued. I queued, not everyone queued. I queued. I've got my badge. I'm keeping that. Your little wristband. And I know there was a lot of criticism of Megan online saying she had this special gel that when it melted, it looked like she was crying. Oh, for God's sake. I don't believe that for one minute. I don't believe that either. I mean, for God's sake. I mean, let's face it, this trailer is obvious, it's very biased. I mean, we've got lots and lots of I'm so in love and we're so happy pictures moving on to I'm so tearful and distraught pictures. And the own, and actually, I think it's a bit nasty in the trailer to put a, a picture of, of Kate looking so stolen-faced. But also, if you're married to someone who sits there with a guitar you're gonna, and you've got two children, you've got a very naughty beagle, you've got a Labrador, you've got to straighten your hair, I would be saying, Harry, stop strumming that wretched guitar. guitar. You're never going to be George Harrison. Go and empty the dishwasher. Stop strumming. But no, Stop it. My love. Stop it. On all our podcasts. Harry, my love. My Stop love. Stop it. 
Stop it. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I am desperate to watch it. I am desperate to watch it. I do think that their titles for Little Lilybet and Archie are buggered. I do. I, I think there's not going to be... Lilybet and Archie are going to have to work in Little, aren't they? Yeah. And the thing is, this was made, wasn't it, before the Queen died. Can you imagine? They've updated it, though. Have They've they? tacked on some stuff at the end. Yeah, because she's at the funeral, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, true, true. They've added to it. They've used the queen. They've used the queen dying to add to their documentary. I don't you see, know. lots of people felt that she was wearing a microphone during the walkabout and during the funeral. No, but I do think this is all a bit low rent. I do. I think it's all just a bit cheesy, Americany, low renty. But Charles nice. made a documentary, didn't he, with Dimbleby, Diana? Did an interview with Panorama. How is this any different? Well, I don't think I, I don't think any except of it's with more, more guitars and more beagles. And, and all this lovey dovey. We love each other. We're so happy in your face. Coupled them, I kind of that gets on my nerves a lot. That really gets on. I my say, nerves. put your guitar down. Harry, put each other down. Put your guitar down and go and mow the lawn. No, Megan, put Harry down. Leave him alone. Let him walk on his own. He can take his own weight. Drop him, for God's sake. Drop him. She does look beautiful in it, though. Do you know what? She is beautiful, and she's she's obviously tenacious, and she's a woman that knows how to get what she wants. But honestly, for me. He had such a close relationship, which was really evident with his brother and his sister-in-law. They ran a charity together. They were always together. They were always laughing and having fun. And I think it's a real shame when another person comes into existing relationships like that and then it all blows it up and they blow apart. I think that's a real shame. You know, they were so close. It was obvious they were so close. It was evidenced all the time whenever you saw I just think it's I just think it's a shame and a mixed missed opportunity because if Megan had stayed, formed a bond with Kate, they could have done so much. Yeah, so much good. And Megan could be hanging out with Joe Biden and Macron and... Rishi Sunak and and I'm sorry, you know what you're marrying into, and you get castles, and you don't have to worry about the electric bill. You know what I mean? You get a nice car, you get servants. That all works for me. That all works. But I for wonder me. if she's going to reveal the reason why the electric jag and the Stella McCartney gown and people cheering wasn't enough. So if I was the boss of Netflix, which I'm not, thank you. I would say we want to know why yeah. you went to Canada. What? Who would want to go? Who would go to Canada? Seriously. And also, what did you? What's expect? in Canada? Fish. But what did you expect? What did you actually? No, but expect? what happened to make her go? Well, we've got all the tear. We've got all the tears, haven't we? So we should find out. You know. So what made you leave? Do we know who's doing the interviewing? It's not. It's not Oprah, is it? It's who's doing? No, the I think it's just fly on the wall. So they've got complete control over it. So it's going to be completely Yeah, but biased. I want to know why they left, because we don't know. But the thing is with these documentaries, it's not really fair, because it's going to be completely biased, isn't it? It's going to be completely controlled to put their point over in the way they want. But that's what Prince Charles did. That's what Diana did. Yeah. But let's face it, William and Kate and Charles are not going to do a right-to-reply documentary, are they? They're not going to get dragged into that. I mean, it'd be great if they did. That would be great. That would be 
compulsive viewing, but they're not going to, are they? So what have you been up to, Nick? Well, last night I went to see the new film, The Menu. Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. And I literally came out of it saying, W-T-A-F. What the actual? Because he plays a very powerful chef, doesn't he? He does. He plays a very powerful chef on an island, very, very elite. They only have 12 diners at a time and they have to go over on a boat and they pay a fortune for for this meal. It's like a bully in Spain or something, isn't it? Yeah. And we, we, it was a really good film. I'd absolutely say go and see it. It was a really, really good film. Is he like film. Marcus Waring? No, he's more handsome than Marcus <gasps> Waring. No one's more handsome than Marcus Waring. Everyone's more handsome than Marcus Waring. Oh, he's got Waring. these piercing blue eyes. No, he's a bit scary. I've got to be honest. And we, we, we got out. I took my mum to see it. And we literally, we stood there and I said, well, I don't quite know what to say about that. And she said, well, I'm traumatised. A bit dramatic. Not, you know, that's my mum. Well, she traumatised because the, the bill of the menu at this exclusive restaurant at the and end. She, she said she'd felt that she'd been picked up and thrown and pinned against the wall watching it. So it's quite an impactful film. And I mean, it is a really good film. It's a really good film. But it's lots of shocks, lots of stuff happening that you don't expect. Ray Fiennes is absolutely brilliant. He's weird, he's creepy, he's crazy. In fact, the whole setup's weird, creepy and crazy. Everyone, you kind of think that he's got every nutter possible on that island working for him. They're all a bunch of nutters. And it sort of starts off quite normal. And then the first thing that happens, and I don't want to sort of give stuff away because it's that's that's the beauty of this film, is stuff happens you really don't expect. Does he make panna cotta with a perfect wobble? No, there's some very, very... There's lots of foam, you know? Do you remember we went to... I, I don't think, like foam. We went, didn't we, to a New Year's dinner, and it was, it was a 12 course thing. I don't want foam. There was cauliflower foam. It was a white theme, wasn't there? So there was cauliflower foam, there was... What else foam was it? Mushroom foam. There was all these foams. I remember once I interviewed Jamie Oliver to be my cookery writer and I went to his restaurant in Knightsbridge only when we got there me and the very willing Kerry <laughs> unlike me did we realise it was a truffle only restaurant so Jamie's got this whole menu work and I said I don't like truffles <laughs> so his face fell no I don't like truffles I don't like truffles I can stomach a little bit of truffle oil but honestly, like with this would you say people should go and see this film absolutely it's a really good film it's 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 so it's. Do you see Ray Fine's front bottom? No, there's no there's no nudity. Oh. It's, it's it's a really good thriller. It's it's kind of it's what I liked about it. It's very different. You know, it's not your normal sort of go to an island and everyone's killed and it it it's a really it's got lots of different things that you just didn't expect. That's got quite a lot of shock value. Um, it's quite funny with all the food coming out because you're just thinking if I was paying that amount of money and they bought that to me. Not a chance in hell. Not a chance am I eating that. Where's the chips? Where's the chips? And there's there's some really good characters in there. Some really, really... It's done really, really well. But Ray Fiennes is brilliant as the chef. He's, he's just so creepy. He is so creepy. But no, absolutely go and see it. Have you watched White Lotus yet? No. I'm still intrigued about the suitcase. Yeah, but season two, episode four, the last scene. Oh, my God. Is this back to the suitcase or? Front bottoms, back bottoms. 
No, there's nothing like that in this. This is a whole film that manages... Well, maybe because they're in a kitchen, they don't want anything to be burnt. There's quite a lot that's burnt in this film, but I'm not going to go into but that. But not your bottom. No, it's, it's, it, it manages a whole film without sex, nudity, anything like that. And it's still entertaining. Go see it, seriously. Do you want to hear about this week's column? Is there more front bottoms in it? Well, you know Harry's memoir is called Spare and everyone's worried about the memoir coming out in January. It's about his family. I literally can't wait. I've got it on pre-order. I can't wait. I think Harry's been copying me. He's been copying. He's been copying you. Yeah. Of course. Well, you're Megan and he follows in Megan's footsteps. It's only natural he's going to follow in yours. And it's... I actually tried probably only the probably the second time in 22 years. I prob- I did try to get this one pulled. I kept emailing the chief sub saying, what about if you ditch this one and use next week? Oh, it's this one that you said to me you were trying to get pulled. Yes. I remember that. Oh, it wasn't then. I said, because I can't, I don't need any more stress. And he said, no, we can't pull it because the illustration for the next one hasn't been done. Oh, dear. Well, this is a very simple illustration. I'm sure they could have knocked something up quick. No, but this is the one I wanted to ditch. So if you want to read this column this Sunday, we're going to send you the link. This is the one that I didn't want published. Honestly, I would have expected that to be quite a few of your columns. (laughs) I don't quite know where we're just focusing on this one. (laughs) It's because I'm not scared of David. We've had, we've had, we've had lots of, of, of times. Liz writes a column and then she says to me, I'm not coming out of the house on Monday. You're going to have to come and get the dogs. You're going to have to deliver me something to eat. I'm not coming out the house. That was when I wrote the piece about renting. Yes, yes. I didn't she, come out the she house. She went in hiding, didn't you? And I think, I think as a writer, that's, you have to be brave. Otherwise, you're just writing a press release. And I think it was Lord Northcliffe, who owned the Daily Mail, said, if you're not scared of when it's published, you're just writing a press release. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point, really. I'm trying to butter up my bosses. Ah, Northcliffe's house. The Daily Mail's at Northcliffe. Exactly. Oh, my God. Two plus two is four. Anyway, on This Is My Column, which... Very nearly wasn't published. If only the illustrator had got off our arse. On Saturday, I opened an email. It was from a young woman keen to trace her family tree. She lived in Canada and she read my column. See, I go far and wide. You do. She had read that I went to school with her aunt, Sarah, Brentwood County High School for Girls. She asked if I had any memories of her aunt, whom she never met because Sarah died when she was 12, 13. Oh. All her classmates, including me, knew that she had a sore throat, and then she just never came back. No one sat any of us down and spoke about what happened. We weren't offered counselling. Her poor, bereaved mother would volunteer in the library each day. She was very quiet, very dignified, but we didn't even broach Sarah's death with her. Or share memories of her and condolences. We were too scared. We just sort of saw her sitting in the library and we thought, 
We can't mention Sarah's death. No one spoke to us about it. It was completely hidden. Well, even as an adult, you don't know what to say to people. I could imagine that as a child that young, you literally... It really, 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 really did traumatise us. One of our classmates dying at that age. I'm sure. Anyway, so her niece got in touch with me and I tried to get her more details. I contacted an old classmate, Lorraine. She emailed me a scan of a panoramic photo taken in 1971. Oh, I was one then, because I'm a fetus. Were you a fetus? I was one years old then. Well, you weren't exactly a fetus, were you? I was just past fetus. I don't have any panoramic photos because my mum and dad were always sent a proof. Do you remember you used to get a proof? And then you could order the print by paying money, but we never had the money to order the print, so I never had this photo. So I was blowing it up my computer and looking at it and seeing if I could see her. And there is me in 1971 kneeling at the front in my little pinafore. I've got two long plaits and I look very serious And out of all the girls, I look the saddest of them all. There, alongside me, is Heather, who played the violin and had psoriasis. There is Gillian Saunders, the prettiest of them all. I can't see my best friends at school, Karen and Frances. I am most taken by the teachers, the headmistress, who married one of the builders commissioned to create a new sixth-form wing on the hockey field. Mr Smith, the English teacher, he was always entering me in writing competitions. Once he entered me in a competition called the Brazil Nut. I had to write an essay about the Brazil Nut. And how long was that? A paragraph? I didn't... I never won. I was always entering writing competitions. WH Smith, the Brazil Nut. I'm well, still... that makes sense. I just think it was good... It was- Good foundations. No, but I'm still now. smarting, really. I used to put poems in the school magazine. Stroke your columnist a year award. Stroke it. And there's Miss Goodwin, who took us for country dancing. All us girls used to laugh at the fact she'd lost most of her fingers. We used to recoil at her claw that used to grip us on our shoulders. We used to go, isn't she silly? Why is she Miss Goodwin? Didn't she, couldn't she get a man? God, no she's one. Horrible. No, we're awful. Children are horrible. No one bothered to talk to us about the fact that Miss Goodwin had lost her fingers fighting the fires in the Blitz. Horrible children. That she never married, as so many women of that generation lost fiancés in the war. We never looked beyond ourselves. We weren't curious. And with a shock, looking at this panoramic photo, I saw my sister near the back. She has a feather cut and is smiling. She was always giggling. So I was always miserable. She was always giggling. Mm. She had passed 13 plus to get in. And she always said she was happier at a secondary modern because she wasn't very academic. I feel a sudden pang of loss. There we are in the same school, wearing the same uniform. And now we're so estranged. We're like Harry and William. Not quite. How did it all go so wrong? But then I remember that after that photo was taken, she said to me, you might have the longest hair in the school, but it's also the greasiest. Our bathroom at home wasn't heated. 
And it was usually booked up by seven children in the family, two adults, so my mum could only wash me in the kitchen sink once a week. So it wasn't my fault my hair was greasy, but she made fun of me. My sister used to kick me all night in our shared bed. She made me do her homework. She screamed when she got home to find her red cable knit was warm. I'd borrowed it. I was forced to tag along on cinema visits to Chelmsford when she was seeing a married man who had a young baby. She was so volatile, I learnt to placate her, give her things to keep her calm. My parents were scared of her. When she became a nurse on night duty, my mum and dad would have to be there to get her up, make a pat lunch, iron her uniform. I remember being at a horse show. I was sitting proudly on my horse called Monty, with my number on my front, wanting my parents to see me win a rosette and be proud of me, but they rushed home before the competition was over to get her up. All day was about them getting her up for work. I learnt to give people stuff because of her. With my sister, it was a thousand pounds when her partner left her and she spent it on a TV. When she had a child, I lavished him with gifts. I learnt the only way to survive was by giving people things. Her, then my husband, then white pepper guy. Everyone in my life, I feel I have to give them stuff. The most hurtful sentence I've ever heard. We were fighting and I said, it's a shame, it's such a shame. I was going to take you and your son to Ibiza this summer to a villa. I've taken you on so many lovely holidays. Africa, Babington House, East Sussex, Anushka Hempel's Hotel in London for our niece's wedding, Bath. Bath, she said. That was only a weekend. And I felt, looking at this panoramic photo that my parents could never afford to buy a print of, that one person can scupper your whole life. I'm peering at these black and white faces... The white shirts, the ties, the skirts, the blazers with the piping. And it's like the opening credits of a Netflix crime series. So mundane, so ordinary, but lurking is somebody who wants to destroy you. And destroy me, it bloody well has. Yeah, I mean, I know your sister and it's not imagine it's not your imagination. She truly is horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. I'm not surprised you felt like that. But in that photo taken in 1971, you can already see the dynamics. I'm all straight back to nervous and sad. She's laughing. Isn't it unbelievable? It's like a Netflix crime thriller. No, it is. And I think, you know, we don't realise how we are shaped when we're younger by these people around us. You know, if you've got someone around you that's bullying you or narcissistic or difficult or you have to people-please them, it it creates your whole persona for the rest of your life. It created my character because I believed that unless I give people stuff, so holidays, a play nest, an iPad, a computer, an iPhone, outfits, shoes, a house... I learned that I had to give people stuff so that I could survive. But then it still wasn't enough, was it? It still wasn't ever enough unless you... But with every... Like, look at my husband. 
He had an amazing townhouse in Islington. I got him an agent. I helped him with his book deal. I helped him with his column. I introduced him to famous people, newspaper editors. He was in the absolute eye of the storm. And it still wasn't enough and he still cheated on me and he still calls me a racist in the Telegraph. Yeah. Yeah. So weird, isn't it? I should have stuck with Talvin Singh. You should have done. Paul McCartney. Paul yesterday. McCartney. You walked away from Paul McCartney. I've still not forgiven you. I for still that. think I still think he could do with me, really. Offer I yourself. Do. Offer yourself. I think we're on a level. Offer yourself. Don't sing though, for Christ's sake. Don't show him what you've done to yesterday. his music. No, no. No, stop it. <laughs> stop it. You can read this week's diary in full in Man on Sunday's You magazine. So, should we go to the archive? Yes. Because our podcast is nearly as long as Megan's. I think it's longer. So, this is an interview with Angie Best, wife of George Best, God, in an unlogoed Man United red shirt without tattoos, without muscles. And I interviewed Angie Best in 2016 at the Ivy. Your favourite place? On the King's Road. I had my pen night at the Ivy. Did you? Did they allow strippers in? No, but on my hen night at the Ivy, the original Ivy, was Kerry, the very willing Kerry, who almost came on the honeymoon, <laughs> and my husband... I said to my husband, why are you on my hen night? You're a man. You're not supposed to be. He came on my hen night. No, that's not... You'd have to ban him. You'd have to chuck him out. What's going on? See, the very wary Kerry wasn't very good because I'd have given you a proper hen night. Do you know what I mean? Morton Harkett. <laughs> Oiled. Oiled. Oiled and primed, ready. <laughs> anyway, I was at the Ivy, not the original one where I had my hen night, but the one on King's Road. Like its older sister, the restaurant is stuffed with stars. You literally trip over them. Anthea Turner comes over to say hi. Hi. I love Anthea. Anthea. Turner. I love Anthea little blonde Turner. flicks. I love her. There is an enormous stir as Callum Best walks in and makes a beeline for our table. <gasps> Ding dong. Is he very handsome? Very handsome. He has short dark hair, a deep tan, a tight sweater and the most incredible eyes you've ever seen. He's a spitting image of his dad, George Best. He mwa-mwa's me. Oh, I've forgotten that. I was kissed by George Best's son. Did you cling to him? Did you, did you take your advantage of the situation? It was probably the highlight of my life so far. And then he hugs and kisses his mum, Angie, who's sitting next to me and is, of course... The real reason our table is catnip to celebrities and rubberneckers alike. Angie and Callum seem really close. I see him all the time, she says. When George Best died in 2005, age 59, Angie returned to England from the US to be with her son. Or, as straight-talking Angie puts it, when George passed, Callum went into a tailspin, so Mum had to come over and save his sorry ass. That sounds like something my mum would say. <laughs> Callum, now 35, overindulged in drunken drugs and, like his footballer father, was declared bankrupt. Callum, we've got a lot in common. <laughs> Would you like to more and more me again? <laughs> his parents split up when he was a toddler and he found it hard to form a relationship with George. 
His father would have Callum to stay, but then ignore him. George once, Callum claims, left him, age 11, alone in a hotel while he went on a bender. It was Angie who converted her son to health foods and exercise. Now, Callum is a father. Does Angie enjoy being a grandmother? She stiffens. I'm referring to the daughter Callum apparently conceived with glamour model Lorna after a one-night stand. She's not his child. She says, I'm not a grandmother. I think I'd say that. I'm not a grandmother. She's quite feisty, though, isn't she? Every child adds 10 years, Nicola. Remember that. (laughs) Every Every child adds 10 years. Every beagle adds 20 years. I'm telling you that for nothing. (laughs) I imagine Callum's girlfriends find Angie's a little daunting. I've always tried to make friends with them, she says, the same as when George met someone new. She's much more a woman's woman than I expected. She keeps saying she loves my hair and that I look like Cher, her best friend. Who would have Cher as a best friend? I'd love Cher Cher as a best friend. I love Cher. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. Oh, lover, lover. Angie was the original wag. What does she think of the tribe of women who followed in her footsteps? Oh, dear, stupid question. I was never a wag, she said. We were not the posh and becks of the 70s. I was working in America. I didn't ask to be a footballer's wife. I'm here to have lunch with Angie because she is, age 63, the new face and body of J.D. Williams. The bikinis, tankinis, swimsuits and cover-ups are designed to flatter a woman's curves and boost confidence. The range is for women aged over sort of 30 and size 12 to 32. And I tell Angie who is in skinny jeans, boots and a jacket. She can't be more than a size 8. The point is, she says, I'm an older woman modelling, which is great. After the age of 60, everything starts going south and you have to work really hard. It's annoying because I haven't got the energy I had when I was 20. I insisted the pictures weren't airbrushed. I want them to say, oh good, she's got saggy arms like me. After spending more than 30 years in America... Angie now lives in Henley-on-Thames in Oxfordshire with her partner of 18 years, Mark, a hockey player. Why is she still teaching exercise classes at Angie Best's metaphysical gym, which she opened in 2012? Why is she still accepting modelling assignments? I'm flattered, she says, but I would do it for the money. Mark used to have money, but he lost it all in the crash of 2006. I could have married a rich man, she says. God, can you believe Jerry Hall is married to Rupert Murdoch? She reminds me of Jackie when she married Anassis. I'm uncomfortable when a man buys me dinner. When I was married to George Best, I paid for everything. After the divorce, after six years of marriage, I left without a penny. My mum always said he wasn't good enough for me. I think that's a mum's job, isn't it? Uh, um, people... Yeah, but he was George Best. But do your mum ever think anyone's good enough for you? Ever, 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 ever. I tell Angie we have a lot in common. Not that I married the most talented, handsome footballer of all time, but that I too have had a facelift. She high-fives me. And I too have lost relatives to alcohol. I tell her I wrote about my sister's death from alcohol, which meant my nephews barred me from the funeral. Well, you shouldn't have written about them, Mum, she says. But isn't it better to talk openly about addiction? Callum commendably works with a charity that helps the children of alcoholics. I tell her the fact that a woman, as strong as she is, couldn't stop George from drinking makes me feel less guilty that I wasn't able to help my sister. You shouldn't feel guilty. I don't feel guilty I wasn't able to stop George drinking, she says. 
When Angie met George, she was a 23-year-old personal trainer and health nut. He was at 29, already past his prime, and drinking heavily. Born in Belfast, he'd been signed by Manchester United aged 15, became the club's top scorer for six consecutive seasons, then quit aged 27. He and Angie could not have been more different. He never tried to get me to drink with him, she says. He loved the fact that I was healthy. I've never even smoked. I never drank. Did she know about his drinking and womanising before she married him? Of course I did. But the other women only had him when he was drunk. I had him when he was sober. What I didn't realise at the time is that he wasn't an alcoholic. He was suffering from depression. I say perhaps his depression and addiction were genetic. George's mother was an alcoholic. And it turns out the science of our genes and how our bodies work is Angie's special subject. What we eat can change our genetic makeup, she says. Our genes and our DNA can be altered by food. I've been taking supplements since I was 22. My secret, she says, you have to change the way you think about your body, the way you think about food. Cake is not a treat. It's going to poison you. If you want to age comfortably, without question, you have to exercise. Does she ever get a day off? Of course I do. Today, for example, meeting you. I've got 20 more good years. And for those years, I want to be upright, pain-free and strong. I want to play tennis and ride. I want to follow my son around. She does look sensational. Her face, she's a classic beauty. She reminds me of Beau Derrick or Catherine Deneuve. Barely has a line on it. Why, given that she's so healthy, did she have a facelift aged only 44? I went to see a surgeon in Beverly Hills and he said, oh, I can't do anything with you. And I thought, damn, I was really looking forward to it. Then he called me and said, let's have another look. So I got a freebie. Will she have more surgery? Maybe a skin tuck. I'd hate sagging jowls. We order food. She tucks into prawns and ice cream, strawberries and cream. This is all very well. But will she find herself paying for it later? Of course. I would have to eat something very clean tonight. Organic crab with lots of cucumber. Again, just like it's like when I went for lunch with Mary Helvin and she said, I don't eat white food before 6pm. I don't eat white food before 6pm. Angie, just like me, grew up in Southend-on-Sea. Southend! Her father ran a betting shop. She started ballet aged five and carried on dancing when she moved to New York to be a model aged 19. I sat for David Bailey once, she says. I was excited. I had no makeup on. He took a photo of the top of my head. In 1974, she moved to Beverly Hills to teach dance to Briss Heckland, Maud Adams and Priscilla Presley before becoming personal trainer to Cher, with whom she's still a close friend. She phoned me the other day to say she was upset because everyone around her is dying. The following year, Angie met George at a party in Malibu. He proposed three years later and they married in Vegas. He forgot the ring and admitted to tell Angie he'd sold the rights to their wedding photos. At the mention of his name, she rolls her eyes and starts yawning. Why do you keep asking about George, she says. It was a long time ago. This is slightly disingenuous as she's kept his name, even uses it on the website of her gym, offering the best in training. But still I do as I'm bid. What was he like when you met him? He had these beautiful blue eyes and a dimple right here. I think his eyes were green. Angie has said in the past that there were no good times with George, but she seems happy now. She loves horses and keeps a thoroughbred near her home. 
I put thoughts out into the universe to get what I want. I believe in spirituality. The most recent example was when I put it into my head that I would dearly love a horse. Then I got a call from a friend who said, do you want a horse? I believe that what you think about will come to you if you're meant to have it. And she also told me the moment she realised she couldn't be with George anywhere, she was driving along in America and there was this man crawling through the rain on the road and it was George Beth. No. He was just crawling around on the road. My dad used to do that. He'd get drunk at the pub and crawl home and he'd often fall. And she thought, I cannot be with this man any longer. It's awful. It's awful. So she cosmic ordered a horse. Yes. Well, what's happened to Tom Cruise then? Because I couldn't think any more about that in turning up. You're not doing it right. You're not eating enough supplements. <laughs> Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. Letters? Do you want to know what the readers are saying? Letters, not letters. 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 Well, we have John... Hello, John. Hello, John. We has, he says, I'm so pleased, Liz, that you've found a house. Hope it all goes smoothly and you can settle in quickly. There's nothing worse than feeling insecure in your home. I rent and have a great landlord, but you're completely subject to somebody else. I hate having to ask permission for every little thing. It drives me nuts. And we also have Shirley who says, Hi, Nick. I sleep apart from my husband. He snores and as much as I love him, I just can't stand it. People find it strange, but it's wonderful. My bedroom is my sanctuary and it means when we have a date night. Now, a date night was in commas. Oh, no. So I think date night's a bit of rumpy-pumpy. It's nice. Oh, how disgusting. It's nice and special. Well, lucky her. But as soon as he goes to sleep, I'm off. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcast videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday. But for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.